This Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged, and the Paul Green Rock Academy, the official music school of the process. On the show today, another stupid emergency podcast, because all we do is emergency podcasts about stupid shit. <laughs> I mean, you'll have you have like four basketball podcasts in a row, and then one about stupid shit. So today's is about m- more stupid shit with Markel Fultz and potentially some stupid shit with Zaire Smith. Get well soon, Zaire. On Friday, the shirt will once again be available. That's right. The Rights to Ricky Sanchez lottery party shirt that had all the names on the back will once again be available for our Black Friday sale, as will the processor die shirt. The Rebel Normal Collar shirt, the Process Hall of Fame shirt, all for 30% off. Just go to rightstorickysanchez.com for details. Available in both tri-blend and 100% cotton. High quality t-shirts, low, low prices. We are a t-shirt and merch podcast. Without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Welcome to the Rice and Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who traveled a couple hundred miles just to deal with the same bullshit. That is Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Here we are again. I'm in Phoenix at my sister's yep. house. I'm uh, recording this from my nephew's bedroom, and he will be getting home from school soon. He'll be making noise. Their dog will be making noise. It'll be great. It'll be All fun. right. Well, we, we we had some really awesomely timed dog barking and sirens in the last pod. So Always. A kid going, what are you doing in here, would also, would also, be, would also be great as well. I, uh, boy, oh boy, this morning I, uh, I, was, I was running and I do some of my best uh, thoughts, my best takery when I'm running. And it hit me this morning after what happened in the game last night. I was like, you know what? Markel Fultz isn't going to play anymore. That was what I thought. And I was like, uh, TJ's going to, this is, I thought this was coming for a while. TJ's going to be the backup. This is why I'm going to write an article about it. So I get in, I come in, I tell Andrew Porter, hey, I'm going to write a thing about, uh, let's have an honest conversation about Markel Fultz. And I, I write it up and we post it and not four Minutes later, literally four minutes later, David Aldridge with his so confusing yet so familiar tweet that his lawyer, also agent Raymond Brothers, Markel Fultz's agent, says that Markel Fultz is not going to practice with the team or play with the team until he gets a uh, in, in no, not investigation. They might as well do an investigation. He gets a. Specialist. Uh, specialist to look at his shoulder on Monday, even though he had said repeatedly that he was not hurt and uh, the team had said repeatedly he was not hurt. Uh, and that's it. And here we are. So uh, I have a million things. I don't know what like your 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 gut reaction when you when you heard the news. 
I mean, not surprising. <laughs> is that yeah, is that okay right. to say? Like, he got benched for TJ last night. Yep. TJ played like TJ does, made a couple plays, did a couple small things, that kind of thing, got the got the crowd interested. The team was pretty sluggish in the first half against against Phoenix after a long road trip. Uh, and so Brett decided team needed a little energy, put TJ in. And uh, yeah, I we are at a point. First of all, every time I start a sentence, I have no idea where the sentence is going to end. So just bear with me. This is another one of those kinds of podcasts. Um, We've done too many of these. Too many of these. Way too many of these. Way so too many. The, the question with faults is, all right, well, let's do first reactions first because I I, okay. I already want to get to the next part of. It. But the first reaction was just like, how does it? How can how can we still be here? How are we still doing this? How do we have exactly no more information than we had at training camp of last year? I mean, yeah, really about the there's, same. There's about not the same. There's not much that has changed since then. I think uh, they are still pretending. That it's the shoulder. They were pretending then and they're pretending now. They're not saying he doesn't have some discomfort. And, and by the way, when you say they, you're not talking about the team. You're talking about team faults. Well, I'm not talking about everybody, I guess. I think team well, faults has sort of, has sort of, uh, is leading the charge with that. Uh, and the Sixers are kind of like going along with it. They, they, did they, the, they don't want to like directly contradict him. Yeah, they, and they did it more in in the beginning. They were like, "Okay, we'll send you all these specialists." Well, yeah. but it it does seem like recently, especially, yeah, yeah. yeah this isn't this separated. isn't new. They, I mean, yeah. he went to Kentucky last year. Remember? Yeah, I remember the he Kentucky went, trip. He went to Kentucky to like see a shoulder, shoulder specialist, and it was like, "Great, he's going to figure it all out." Done. And now, like a quarter into the season. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, he's going to go see a shoulder specialist in New York. And it's like, yeah, we did. What, see all the specialists you want, man. Nothing changed. There's just, you're going to continue to get shit for the way you're shooting until we have an honest conversation about what's actually happening. And it seems like the Fultz camp has no interest in that. They seem like they, for whatever reason, I know what the reason is, but the, for whatever reason, they seem to think that admitting the fact that he has uh in his in his mind he has forgotten how to shoot and he's it, there is some some mental block that is keeping him from shooting the way he used to shoot or at least like a normal basketball player yeah they they don't want to say that they i think that they probably that seems it seems like they think i'm i'm putting words in their mouth cuz they're not saying it but it seems like they probably think that would make him look weak or like what some people are saying, which is he's a head case, which I think is uh, really reductive. Um, but they're not meeting the issue head on, Fultz's people. So they're saying shoulder, shoulder, shoulder. And we're in this world where it's like, okay, they're are going to pretend like it's a shoulder. And we're not going to have a, a real conversation about what's actually going on, with, which has been the same thing that's been going on since seemingly before the draft last year when Fultz started changing his shot. Well, the, the the timing obviously terrible on Fultz's side. Uh, you know, with the he gets benched in the second half last night, and then 
you know, the first time he gets met, benched, and I know he, like, I, I don't even want to do the not on social media joke, but the first time he gets benched for Butler, we get the retweet of, you can't really trust nobody. And then last night, there's the, the God has got me or whatever it is. And then... I, wait, I didn't see that God has got me. Yeah, it's, it's something like, it was this something God's got my back, or I, I don't even know what it was. But it, after he gets benched, he tweets that. Like a normal passive-aggressive kid would do, but obviously with a much bigger stage. I... Like, this is, it's just horse shit in that, I, I know we've all, first of all, Mark Fultz needs a a more professional team around him who knows what they're doing. This yeah. is not how you do it. You, yeah. you don't, you don't just, t- I want anyone who's listening to the podcast to think about all the time you've been watching sports and how many times the lawyer just tells the team that the guy is hurt, which has now happened like three times over the last year, including the the injection of liquid, the uh, the extraction of liquid. Now the uh, we're going to go see a specialist. All just telling the team and leaking to David Aldridge and all this like horseshit. Um, and we don't even there is some discrepancy as to whether it's Raymond Brothers is the agent of the lawyer or doesn't matter. If, saying lawyer to me means like litigation pending. Which I we don't can talk I, about that, but. I don't think that was it. You don't think so? Okay. No, I think he is a lawyer, and I think that was just uh, David Aldridge wrong verbiage. That would would be my guess. I just, you know, he's his lawyer and his agent, whatever it is. Maybe he sent him an email that said lawyer on it, and and that's what David Aldridge said. So, but, but like, here's the thing, man, is that there is a way to do things, and there's a way not to do things. And Mark Helfeltz's camp, from the very beginning, has done... The, the wrong thing by the kid, by the team, by his teammates. And like, I can understand and appreciate, and I've said this a, a million times, everyone, the collective fan base, reporters, sort of taking it easy on faults given his age, given what he's going through and all that. But at a certain point, you are playing professional basketball. This is the NBA. You are the first pick in the draft. This is like real deal stuff. This is big business it is teammates who are all working hard for for their position on the team it is coaches who have to deal with this as well and when you continually put people in this situation by by handling it this way it it's not only unprofessional but it is disrespectful to everyone around it and if he is like quite simply if he is not ready to deal with this being in the nba which it seems like is reasonable at this point to guess that he he just can't deal with it right now for one reason or another and I'm not I don't think that is right wrong or indifferent it just is then they should like walk away for a minute and without like like incriminating it, like cuz what this does is and look we've had issues with Sixers medical staff and communication and all that over the years but all this does is like unfairly incriminate and give credence to all of that nonsense like uh like twitter conspiracy bullshit over the last few days by like leaning into this it's just it's unfair to teammates it's unfair to the team it's unfair to fans and like it puts them in this situation and I really think this year I don't know that there has been a right answer as to what to do with faults whether it's stardom not stardom like everyone could go back and forth as to what the right thing has been but it seems to me as if the coaches 
the front office, and the other players on the team have done all they can to make this comfortable for him and support him and try to get him to a place where he can be productive. Even TJ McConnell, the guy that he's basically throwing a temper tantrum over, every time whose minutes were gone because of Markel Fultz, would stand up and cheer and slap the kid on the back every time he did something well. Like yeah, nothing I, but support. And these guys, these these like guys that want to compete for the Eastern Conference, knowing like, collectively that having Fultz on the court for that minute made it harder for them to do that. All supportive, every Look, single one of the teammates. I just yeah. like I just think it's weak and it puts like everybody in a bad spot. And it is they've just handled it incredibly poorly. Yeah, and it's it's disappointing that we're here. There's a lot. There's a lot. I, I just want to point out, like during the second half of last night's game against Phoenix, Fultz was like getting off the bench and like joking around with TJ and like high fiving and stuff. So I, I, it. I think there. I think it's important to dis, to distinguish between Fultz and like Fultz's camp and his agent and his mom or whoever is making the decisions here, uh, and Fultz himself. I I don't, I'm not saying Fultz is off the hook. At the end of the day, he is chosen to become a professional basketball player and like ultimately it's his call and he needs to like figure out what's going on whether that means like firing everyone around him and hiring just a regular run-of-the-mill veteran agent uh but i will say like he hasn't been it wasn't like he was sulking at least i didn't see him sulking on the bench during last night's game well he made he made sort of a face when TJ got called in. But y- yes, I agree with you. I'm not saying that he isn't supportive, at least uh, emotionally, in their front. I'm just saying, like, as a as a team around him, they have been supportive of him. And yeah, I think absolutely. Th- this puts... It, it's sort of like, on some level, it says, well, you know, whether it is him or his team, like they're all just the collective team faults to me at this point because yeah. I don't know who's making what decision. Like, you know, sure. obviously a lot of times when somebody is making a lot of money, the people around him make decisions just to not get fired, to make that person feel good. So if Fultz doesn't like the fact that everybody's saying that it is in his shoulder, you know, sometimes people around you will go, Markel, we all know it's your shoulder. Fuck that. I'm calling the team and telling you're not playing again until until we get, you know, some proper a proper doctor to look at your shoulder. Right. You right. know, and just that's, feeds that's what right it seems into to it. Be. It didn't seem right. to be like it's not like he left the game at halftime. No, no, and no. It was no. like gone. And so I don't again, yes, like you said, we don't know who's making the decisions here. Ultimately it falls on Fultz as, as young and uh, immature of a kid as he is. He's still well liked among the team. They they want him to do well. They're rooting for him. They like the fact that these professionals, you know, JJ Redick, Amir Johnson, Mike Muscala, like guys like veteran guys that you know are heading towards their last contract, and Beaton Simmons on their first contract or getting about to get their first big contract. The fact that they're like, yes, he's good. Yes, he's cool. We like him. We support him. The fact that they haven't just been like, fuck this, get him out of here, is I think a testament to a how talented he is minus the shot and be how much they just like the kid and root for the kid and feel for him. So there's, there's a ton of stuff that we don't know. Uh, and it, it's entirely on Fultz's camp that we don't know those things. It's not, it's not up to the Sixers. Look, we're not guys that defend the Sixers. Like that's not us. Yeah, I know. We're, right. We're, we take any podcast. chance, right. We take any chance to call out bullshit. Uh, but this is not bullshit on the teams. Like this is not on the team. It just yeah. isn't like you can yeah, see, I, yeah, the, the ahead, idea the idea that like I I hear I start to hear the argument for like change of scenery because I'm sure there's not much 
uh, trust between Fultz's camp and the Sixers right now, especially after, you know, I, and I can see why Fultz's camp is slightly, you know, I can see why they're pissed, right? They acquired Jimmy Butler. Hey, we were going to start Fultz all year. He's our starter. Like, that's what we're going to go with. That's what's happening. Acquired Jimmy Butler. Hey, Fultz on the bench. Okay. He handles it. He's doing his thing. He, he, he repins the tweet or whatever. Uh, fine, fine. And then a couple games later, okay, now I'm not even playing in the second half. That's unfair. You're breaking your word. We're pulling him out of the thing. Like, I, I start to see that. But they have to also acknowledge that they're not being upfront about these things. They're now not telling the Sixers what they're doing and just making them hear it in the press and Elton Brand has to go out there kind of blindsided and and, and we can get to the Elton Brand stuff. Um, but I, no one is good in this. No one is good. No one is right. Every It's just, it is, it is the worst possible situation. Uh, I feel bad for Fultz. Ultimately, I just feel really, really bad for the kid. Um, I, I really wanted to start talking about like his, like what to do with him. Like right now, right. Like the, Fuck man, I don't know. There's the but, the team. The team couldn't. The team to me hasn't done anything really wrong in all this. It's not like there's a a right answer that's just sitting there for everyone to, right. to just like as long as everyone just agrees to it that there's a right answer and then it'll be fine and everything's great. Like there's been the we're gonna let him go t- use his own own shot specialist. We're going to let him use our specialist. We're going to let him talk to any doctors that he wants to talk to. And we're going to let him go to Kentucky and we're going to put him in the starting lineup and we're going to bench him and we're going to have Reddick can talk to him all he wants and Embiid and he can, we'll shield him and he'll be he'll shoot in front of the press, shoot not in front of the press. There's nothing that can be done. There's not a, there's not like one right answer. And so I just, I, I, I don't know the, the idea of change of scenery is like sure, but that's not going to make him remember how to shoot, and that's the problem here. That's the main issue well, is that the guy forgot how to shoot for whatever reason, and the team has tried to make as many concessions and do whatever makes him comfortable as possible. Wait last season, wait for him to be ready to play. Say, hey man, when, whenever you want to play, you tell us, and we'll get you in there. And then get a triple double in the last game and play him in the playoffs and try to get him that. But like at, at a certain point, there's professionals on this team and they have to be tasked with winning games. And a lot of times, not always, because I, I I appreciate his work on defense and I think he's uh, his passing is good and he's like just he's gotten more active and aggressive, like taking the ball into Rudy Gobert a bunch of times. Like he's made plays, and I I see bright things to come if the shot ever comes along. But at a certain point, like they got to just do what's best for the team. And right now, he's not making it easy on them, and his people are not making it easy on them by still a not being communicative and b continuing to pretend like it's a shoulder thing, and that's all. Right. And I, it, as far as how good he is now, we'll differ on how much he helps or doesn't help. But I, sure. I, I, I don't blame. Look, they when they traded for Butler, a guy who is 29 years old and about to get a max deal, and they have Embiid at MVP level, whatever he is, the, the rest of their lineup, Mascala and Chandler and Redick and all these guys, like th- they look at this year and they go, you know what, like, now with Butler, we can win the Eastern Conference. The Celtics aren't as good as we thought. Like Toronto has failed every year. Who knows if Kawhi is going to play in the playoffs? You know, and and looking at the Warriors 
you know, they'll probably be fine, but it certainly feels murky over there. They yeah. look at it and they go, we, I don't know. Who knows what could happen this year? The Eagles won the Super Bowl last year with Nick Foles. Like, who knows, right? And and to your, to your point, at, at a, like at a certain point, and that point is right now, after they made that trade, they have to go, what gives us the best chance to win right this second? We are not, we're not looking to develop Markell in, in four years. And I, I do not blame Brett Brown for saying, you know what, I'm more... I'm more confident in, in in TJ McConnell right now. I think I think he in a in a close game when I need to settle it down. Although I've seen some nice things for you, Markel. Sometimes you know, Markel, you're going to play less minutes, and sometimes you're going to play more. And you can't have a temper tantrum every time that that happens. They have to realize that too. I, I just um, I just want to make I take issue with you saying temper tantrum. It's his it's his camp that is that basically has pulled, taken their ball and gone home. That is having the temper tantrum. Well, him too. Him too. I, want, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't like thrown anything on the bench and kicked things and left and no, shit well, on his teammates like that. To me, that's a temper, temper tantrum. Maybe temper tantrum, just... for lack of a better word. When you when you're gonna like I I don't know. I I think when the coach coach pulls you from the starting lineup and you tweet that you can't trust anybody. I don't, and the first time you tweeted that was when they also did something that you know like I don't know that. That stuff doesn't it doesn't fly for me when LeBron does it. It's certainly not going to fly for me when Marco Fultz does it either. But sure, I understand what you're saying in terms of temper tantrum. But you you can't you you have to learn how to react when those things happen. He is not the guaranteed 30 minutes a game guy. He's not at that point where he he gets to publicly shame and question when he doesn't get minutes in the second half. He has certainly been uneven enough for his year and a quarter in the NBA to where yeah. there, you know, he's he's not guaranteed playing time. And again, it's what we talked about last time. It's like he he hasn't talked about where his shot went. He hasn't said yeah. like, look, here's what happened. I tried to change my, change my shot, and then I lost it. And then I, and then it sucks. And I haven't been able to find it. And I've been trying these things. And you know, maybe it's a shoulder thing. Maybe, maybe I, I've had this injury that is not affecting everything but sometimes when I shoot when I think about it and when it's like starting from a standstill place when it's not in rhythm yeah my shot isn't right and I'm trying maybe this like batted ball thing to try to make a foul shot look more comfortable and more get out of my head with it like that's what's happening I understand he's not talked about that and I get it he's a kid and he's not good with the media he's not like very mature for his age he's a he's a kid that's was all the scouting reports even before all this stuff happened was like, yeah, he's immature, but like the stuff that he's immature about is like, he likes to play video games and hang out with his friends. Like it's not, he's not a bad kid. He's not like, there's no like skeletons in his closet. He's just like a kid. He's a, he's a kid who likes to play basketball, which is fine, but he's not mature beyond his years. And he's not able to have those conversations with the media or with one member of the media in a sit down interview or anything. Like, I think there's just so much confusion and secrecy and not admitting just like what the fuck is actually happening. And now they took his ball and was going home. And I just don't know if he's ever going to play for the Sixers again. Like, no, I, I, we were talking about at work today. If you made me bet, I would bet that he never plays for the Sixers again. And actually here, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. We have to, we got to, can we stop for one second? Talk about a sponsor sponsor sponsor. Yes. Look, I'm mad about what's going on with Markel Fultz, but I'm surely not mad about the Paul Green Rock Academy, the official music school of the process. That's right. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. PaulGreenRock.com. Fuck yeah. Yes, that Paul Green from the movie, School of Rock. He's not in that movie. Jack Black plays a Paul Green type character. Anyway, he started School of Rock. 
He does not have School of Rock anymore, as that became like some big franchise, moved away, came back literally because of the process, <laughs> and now has a new place in Philly called the Paul Green Rock Academy. It is for kids, but kids of all skill levels, right? There is the master's program for serious young musicians, the uh, the junior program for maybe not quite as serious young musicians, and Mike... This is the one that you're going to sign up for, the adult program. Uh, you've always wanted to be a rock star. Now you're going to learn how. I've always the, uh, felt like one. Yep. The, uh, the adult program starts in February, which would be a cool... Look, I'm sure you know somebody in your life, plays guitar, plays drums, never got to play in a band or played when he was younger. This is a great uh, Christmas gift. Starts in February, eight weeks long. You play two shows um, book now, paulgreenrock.com. And by the way, these bands, the kid bands, the adult bands, they play uh, parties, they play weddings, all that kind of stuff. Um, very excited to have the Paul Green Rock Academy as a sponsor. Um, as well, they have like, if you just go to the website, they have all kinds of great like celebrity instructors, all that stuff. paulgreenrock.com, paulgreenrock.com, the official music school of the process. Uh, do you want to talk about the, before we talk about what happens next with him, do you want to talk about the Elton and, and Brett press availabilities? Has Brett uh, come out yet? I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, Brett talked as well. I mean, Brett was just very Brett about the whole thing. My favorite thing about the Brett availability was he said something to the effect of this might not seem normal to 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 anybody else, but I, I kind of like that we're not normal or something to that effect. Oh, but he's doing yeah. what he can. The guy, the yeah. guy, the guy has been through so much. And oh God! It's important yeah. to remember that, like, there is a there's a greater uh, existential. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is the universe? Is is there such a thing as karma to, yeah. to all this? Yep. Like, is the fact that the Sixers tanked more baldly than anyone else? Ever like is that why we've been forced to deal with the craziest things that's ever happened in sports history? The well, we, Ma we Matt were just Carey saying about yeah, Matt Carey tweeted yeah. from the Bynum injury. Every year there's been a an injury cloud hanging over the team. Bynum, Nerlens, Embiid, Embiid again, Simmons, Fultz, and then Fultz and Zaire. Now, which that's just a lot, and then plus the burners, and plus JJ Redick. Uh, <laughs> Human trafficking, and human trafficking, uh, insulting and, all of China. Yeah, Jaleel Okafor's dad, KJ yep. McDaniel's his mom, uh, all all of it, all of it. It's so many things, and it it's never stopped. It just never stopped. Now, also, the Sixers have Embiid, Simmons, and Jimmy Butler, and a, a good, seemingly good culture now, with a chance to win the East. So, like, there's that's a, you know, it's a give and take. I don't know if it evens <laughs> out. It evens out because of Embiid. That's what I said. I said the last pod that we are not we are not going to be done paying for the goodness of Embiid for a very long time. And oh this is just God. this is just he's really good, and you got to pay for this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, Back, so what yeah. talks me about the Elton Brand thing? So, so Brett was was just very much Brett. We we only care about the kid. You know what? You know they ask him what happened between the two weeks ago when he said he was fine, and now Brett's like, I don't I don't know. Uh, I thought. Elton's press availability was, look, we have not had a lot of general manager press availability over the last six years. <laughs> We've had some really good moments from Sam Hinkie asking where Howard is, was one of my favorite Sam Hinkie moments. Had some great quotes. 
Um, you know, some very nervous ones from Brian Colangelo. He always looked nervous and agitated. I would say Elton's today was, in terms of like, he gave his answers, but looking at his face was tremendous. Yeah, and he was very comfortable through the throughout the entire thing. Sure. I would say that that my favorite moment during the Elton one was he's. I, I, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but he goes. Guess he has an appointment on Monday. Guess he couldn't get one earlier than that. Maybe you'd think it's Marco Fultz. You can move it up, but I don't know. <laughs> were you were you there? Or did you watch it on New Back? No, I, I, I watch it online. I don't I don't go over there. Uh, uh, I try to separate a little bit. But um, they, I watched uh, it. I watched it as we were. Alyssa was holding it up for me as, <laughs> as we were driving, so I was trying, trying to like concentrate on it. Um, to me, like I love Elton. He was great on our show. Uh, and I think I said to him there on the on the night of Ricky Live that like you're still like it's too early in your career for you to realize that you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> right. And there's there's a lot of those kinds of things still. Like he's he's too honest right yep. now and too and too too much of a regular guy, which like is is refreshing. Yeah, uh, I love it. But you can watch him and be like, man, he's. I, I didn't think he was. At, I thought he was like looked pretty pissed and pretty. Um, just uh, not eye rolly, but his demeanor to me was that of someone. I was like, Gee, "Come the fuck on, man! Like, what are we doing here? What's going on?" And then, and then, because the availability didn't, the, the Sixers didn't release anything for an hour or two after the Fultz news came out from David Aldridge, uh, and then the press availability happened, and he seemed not very um, rehearsed. I would say he was kind of just talking like a regular guy. Um, so I, I, they were blindsided by this. I think that's pretty yeah, clear. of course. There, there was I, no like communication of hey, what happened? We're not happy with this. You know, it it just seems so fucking obvious that they were like, yo, you benched our guy. Well, we're pulling him and taking him out. And then Keith Pompey reports that he sh- that Fultz was shooting around with the yeah. team today. Yeah. So what's ha- what's everyone? It's nothing is normal. N- no, there's no straight answers. I don't think because there's straight answers to give, and it's uh, until Fultz like comes out. I mean, last last season even it was like, hey, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to play yet. He's not ready to play yet. But also, he's taking shots in front of the media during media availability of practice. Oh, by the way, he's doing it with his left hand. No biggie. Yeah, Uh, this is all fine. I forgot about the left hand thing. Fuck, man. Oh my god. I I feel better. Like I just want. Like I feel bad for the kid. Like we have to say that all the time. I'm I'm not saying it. I'm done feeling bad. I'm like I, I that. I, I can understand you saying it, and I can understand you feeling that way. I just that over the overarching thing is they're fine, but you know what? Like, I also feel bad for guys that are twenty three and twenty four that have regular injuries. I feel bad for Zaire Smith. I feel bad for like every you know. We all go through hardships. I get it. It this is not a, a, an easy situation for him to be in, but but it has been a year and a half of almost exclusively nonsense. And um, that is, you know, I'm I'm I, I was sort of glad to see to your point about Elton Brand not being rehearsed and all that. Like I was sort of glad to see the exasperation on somebody's face in there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, because Brett, I give all the credit in the world to Brett for keeping his poker face on his poker face not being that you can't read him but that he always seems like he is hopeful and encouraged right i wouldn't call it a poker face i'd call it a spirit face spirit face perfect definite spirit face but eventually 
there's some times where where when things are bad or something and he's being spirit Brett, I'm like, oh my God, will you just somebody stop admit it? it? Yeah, somebody admit it. And today Elton's face was like, I have no fucking idea what is what what they're doing here. Like this is nonsense. That's what his face looked like to me. And it is. You can't blind and that's why I said I Fultz definitely needs people around him who know how to do this because the people around him, right? They don't even know how to leak to Woj properly. Yeah, you know? what was the who his agent has like very few other clients and they're all like very low level like fringe guys, right? Uh, yeah, I'll look it up. I'll look who his, look up who his other clients are. It was um, because of, I mean, that came out, that stuff was like, hey, when the, they, they wanted to provide some air cover for his shot looking weird in training camp. And they were like, well, let's leak, leak it to Woj that he was having fluid drained and not drained and all that stuff. Yeah, he's got Zach Randolph, DJ Augustine, who uh, we confirmed in the, in two podcasts ago, still in the NBA, uh, Al Farouk Amino, Jaron Grant, Mitchell Robertson, and Trevin Duvall. Trevon. Trevon. There you go. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. not a, a super inspiring list of, of clientele in 2018. And it, and it doesn't mean that he can't be a decent agent. It just means that in situations like this, he just is not handling it. Like, like you, I can't imagine a CAA or Clutch like handling it this way. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, I, I don't it's know. Not yeah, it's not. It's not like, hey, guys without experience are bad across the no. board. But this one has not been great. And no. whether who, whoever's advising him, I don't know if the 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 guy who changed the shot initially is still in the picture. The Keith Williams. Yeah, I don't know anything. We don't know anything. We know nothing. We know absolutely nothing. And I and I think that as we pivot to the the next part of the conversation, which is what to do with Fultz and will he still be here? I I just want to say up front. I think every single person's opinion is wrong. I don't think mine is right. My, my opinions are wrong. Every opinion you take is the wrong opinion because there's nothing. Right. There's no good answer. There's no good solution. There's just there's just a lot of confusion, and that's all there's been for a year and a half. Yeah, and th- and that goes back to anyone today who was condemning what the Sixers, the way they handled Markel this year, said, "Well, they didn't do it. They put too much pressure on him." It's like. I, there was no right way to do it. It, it doesn't no. seem like it doesn't seem like Markel or his camp like when he's on the bench. So, so you know, like I, I think them putting their faith in him was as good a. It might have been the wrong way to do it, but it was as good a way to do it as any. I, I didn't see a better way to do it. It's just like okay, this is the way they're going to do it. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Uh, you, to your point, everyone is wrong. Everyone is right. There's nothing has worked. So, um, you know, so I guess you can't say it was the right thing to do, but sometimes you can make the right move and it turns out the wrong way, you know? So um, the process, baby, the process. All right. So let's talk about what, what to do with him now. There's a lot of people that are saying, uh, some people that are in my DMS and texting me saying like, we just got to get rid of him. Just like, do you have open DMS on Twitter? I do. Yeah. Can I tell you, I, so I've. I opened mine about a year and a half ago. Didn't say anything. About just, and then I had a lot like right away and I closed it right away and I did it again like three days ago. And it was really just stuff people would normally tweet at me and they just decided to DM it to me. So I had to close it again too. But I guess you just advertised that yours are open. I guess that is, I, no, that is for the most part. It's a lot of just sometimes I, I respond to, I'd say about half. Yeah. I, I guess I'm potentially amount. missing out on a, 
on a Ben Dietrich story or a uh, yes. or a still balling yeah. DMing me or Re- something. The, ret- the return of uh, of enough unconed sources. Yeah, um, <laughs> unconed sources. So I forgot about unconed sources. <laughs> <laughs> unconed. <laughs> so okay, so what to do with them? Okay, what to what do? To with do? Them? There, there is the. Right now, he, at the advice of his lawyer, is not with the team. <laughs> although he is with the team, yeah. and will not be with the team soon. Uh, so I or think maybe there is a chance. Yeah. Right, there is a chance that he goes and gets the advice and sits out for a couple weeks, and then comes back, and then they play him a little bit. I, to me, it seems like this. It's more likely that he'll just sit out the rest of the year. Um, whether that whether they pretend like it's more shoulder thing or he has this like a fake surgery or something like that that's like oh great this is how you know or some like you know scope people like a scope when it's like oh we're just gonna have his fluid any any like fake medical term that seems like it's something scapular imbalance all that stuff you're just saying um, words now it's just yeah, medical words absolutely fluid imbalance yeah that's the yeah. press release is just yeah. a series of words strung together um, it seems like they'll the idea that he comes back to the team feels uh, unlikely, but the question is what to do with him, right? And so, I, I to me, the worst case scenario for the Sixers is for them to just either cut him or trade him for like, you know, a Jamal Crawford type, like some useless veteran that'll just be here to be here and like a second round pick. That's not like an actual deal, like an, an actual package that we can actually need and feel good about to do to do just some like here, take them off our hands type deal. And then him learning how to shoot again is the worst case scenario for the Sixers. They'll be the biggest. That's even more of an embarrassment, whatever. Obviously, we want faults to shoot and I'd feel good for him. Uh, but if the Sixers just like let him go for nothing and then he succeeds somewhere else, that would hurt my brain right in it, it irreparable is, ways it is fair to acknowledge though as you say that that uh, people think about rookie salary sometimes when you're the number one overall pick your rookie yeah. salary is not insignificant yeah. so Mar- Markel would make ten and a half million dollars next year which at this point is guaranteed yep and ten and a half million dollars is not insignificant in two separate respects first of all ten and a half million dollars you know, he was on a great deal, but Covington, like Josh Richardson, those guys are $10 million, you know, and mm-hmm. there are guys all around that. And when you're trying to fill out the rest of a, a a team that you hope competes for a championship, a $10 million player is real is PJ Tucker is, you know, tr- maybe it's tr- a Trevor Reza type player. Th- that is a real thing. Mm-hmm. The other the other way that it could be used uh, is they look to have about $20 million in cap space this summer. And ten million dollars makes it thirty, and that's a you know a big difference. And um, having him just sort of sit on the—that's why just cutting him is not really an option um, because of first of all because of what you uh, discussed and just letting him go for nothing. But second of all, in that if you do that, that money just counts against your cap next year anyway. And that's that's a real thing for them to consider. Is he is taking up a real salary slot next year, and if they they don't think he's going to contribute. Um, you know what? What is that even? And are is is he even really going to get a chance to figure out how to contribute in the next four months? Is also a really serious question that they have to ask themselves too. Is if they do think there's a chance that he could get back, 
do they really have the situation in which, you know, a process of four years ago situation in which you can just sort of let them try to work it out and hope it comes back one day. Yeah. Um, and that is also to assume that playing is even the right thing. Is that not just disappearing for six months and not playing? Maybe that's the right thing too. To your initial point about everything being wrong and everyone being wrong too. So that yeah. is that is the rest of the context with it. Um, My, I mean, the hope is like, let's say ideal ideal scenario, which isn't going to happen, is he you know goes away for a month and a half, takes six weeks, uh, gets a lot of shoulder massages, and it works out, and he's just shooting in his backyard whatever it takes. And he comes back and says, like, yeah, I can shoot reasonably again. Like I can shoot like TJ. I can be as good of a shooter as TJ and it takes me a while, but like I can hit wide open looks and I'd be like, great. But like even that, the idea that he could take six weeks off and then just like come back in and be integrated into the offense. Like it seems almost like unless he comes back in a week and a half, I, I don't know. Seems unlikely. It seems unlikely. I just think, yeah. I think at least it's, it seems really probable based on nothing but, uh, I don't even know if it's tea leaves. Just like uh, how the situation looks, but just, just logic. I mean, if if he it's, takes some, if he takes six weeks off, all of a sudden we're in, in January, and this team is humming along or something. Like let, let's say they have the best record in the East at the time, or the second best record in the East. Are they are they really going? And TJ's playing pretty well, you know, it, integrating faults again. And by the way, perhaps throwing off the balance of everything that you've done. Um, is weird, you know. So it it's it does seem like a low percentage play that he comes back this year and becomes yeah. a contributor. I feel pretty strongly that this year he won't come back. That's just my gut yeah. reaction now. I I feel less strongly that it's forever. Um, I think that you could take the off season and let him just see how he feels and see if he's whatever therapy, physical or mental, that he has to get into and figure out and work on himself like that kind of stuff um, you know I don't know we don't know anything because they're not having honest conversations with us about it so the question is okay do trade him and it's like to me his value around the league is almost nothing I would say you look at Phoenix and Atlanta I could see them those types of teams Sacramento I mean Sacramento they look pretty good uh, the Knicks like those some kinds of bad teams you could be like all right uh we'll trade you the return of justin anderson and a second round pick for fault like those kinds of things that's what you're looking at and so to me it's like is that worth it is it worth it just like to get out of this headache the contract and, and, and the roster spot the con- and all the contract, those things exactly but is it, is it worth it and to me the the value that you're going to get for him in a trade is not worth it i'd rather just have him and just treat him and zaire smith basically like a like wild cards like hey we don't know what the fuck's going on with these two guys we know that they're both very talented they have some level of severe health issues so we're going to treat our team as if this is our team and if either of those guys come back at anywhere near the level they were when they were drafted then great then like that's huge. Then that's a real boon for us. But we're not as much as it sucks to take up two roster spots. Like Jonah Bolden is taking up a roster spot, and there Stauskas and Okafor took up a roster spot last year. Like there, there's the thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth member of your of your bench. If you're as long as you're not uh, incredibly unhealthy, is not playing all the time anyway. So I, I'm fine with 
the roster spot to me is not not as big of a deal. Um, but the question is, do you get value for him? Is it is it to me? It's worth just holding on to him. I I, I know that that's crazy, and I know that it's frustrating, and I, I'm so tired of ha- having this conversation. But the idea that we could trade Fultz for essentially nothing, or as like a sweetener in a trade or whatever, I don't know how much of a ten million dollar sweetener there is anymore. Or like, hey, we'll take you know the Wizards going like we'll take you can have Ian Mahinmi for a Fultz, and it's like what the fuck is this the point of this? To me, it's worth just being like, all right, take the year off. Let's just go go to wherever your happy place is. Hang out with your mom and your sister. Just like be home and <laughs> this like is away what from we the just team. Did. This I know. We, yeah, I, I. But and but, then and then just like. We won't talk. To, we won't talk about him for six months, and then once it becomes like June, July, August, we'll be like, okay, let's check back in. Let's see what we got. We got him for next year anyway. But but let me ask you this. But let me ask yeah. you this. That 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 being obviously a one way they could go on this. If you get to the off season, and you you still are not at all confident in what he can provide, and you're going into an off season needing every dollar of cap space you can get for whatever, and the rest of the league now knows this. And and now you have to pay a first-round pick to get off of Markel Fultz. Like, is the... And I'm not saying, I'm asking. Is the, the opportunity, at, given what we know today, the, is the opportunity at his upside for... A, a championship team next year or a championship team contending team next year worth potentially having to give up something of real value to get off of that contract next year. And are, you I, saying, are you saying in a trade it'd be like, hey, Fultz and a first for X for decent superstar type? Or No, 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 no. For Fultz and, a, Fultz and a pick for here's unguaranteed contracts that you can cut that you can use. Now you can use cap space. Now here's here is $10 million of cap space. That that you can now have like a a uh, like that the the trades that Maury made last year to clear all the Chris Paul cap room where he had I, all these unguaranteed contracts is like is is that really because that's a risk like it, it is a what if you know I, I know you we say okay well then we just give up a first round pick in that scenario but if one of the the good free agents says hey I want to sign there it, but you guys don't have any cap room. Uh, you only have twenty million. I want thirty million. All of a sudden, you have to pay a real price to get off it. I'm just saying it is a it is a possibility that I think you have to allow for. Yeah, I, I if it if it is, hey, Kemba Walker or somebody like him mm-hmm. is available, wants to come here, just that that and, level, yeah. and it's going to cost Fultz in a first, and he wants it's going to happen. I think you probably, especially if that first is like a late first type thing, if. If that's gonna, if that is really gonna happen, I think you say, look, an opportunity to add a fourth near max level salary type player, yeah, it's worth it um, for the very large uh, continuous question mark that is Markel Fultz. But if it's you know a Sacramento Kings like, hey, we're gonna trade this and have pick uh, money available, and we don't, and hopefully someone will want to come here. Then I, then that's where I start to get skittish. Right, right. Well, and sometimes you have to make the deal uh, with the unsureness of what might happen. You know, um, yeah. and that 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 could be the position they find themselves in. I, it's a obviously m- my assumption would be that they are not just going to cut bait right now, and they're going they're not going to make a trade right now, and they're just going to see what happens. But 
you know, you mentioned distrust between the the team and the Fultz camp. Like, I have to imagine the the distrust is more at this point coming from the team toward the Fultz camp than the other way around, or at least in terms I of. I mean, I well, don't know what, what it, it, rightfully uh, so. I think it would be from right. the team to the Fultz camp, but it seems like they just pulled him and and feel like they've been. They feel like they got fucked in this whole thing, right? Even though they they didn't. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what what do did they expect that that in the Sixers acquiring Jimmy Butler to hopefully sign him and hopefully make a run at the Eastern Conference Finals? The did they expect that? Okay, yeah, Fultz is just going to continue to play twenty five minutes no matter like how he plays. Like every there's no That's team. Crazy. Yeah, there's no team in the league where if you're trying to contend, you're going to be like, look, you promised my guy this many minutes. Like every coach at, at his discretion can play yes. various guys. Like it's one thing if it's like you're J.R. Smith and you're saying, hey man, I'm getting older and I don't want to be on a rebuilding team. That's one thing. That's fine. And you can ask sure. for, and you can ask for, a, you can request a trade. You can be that. I mean, our boy Korkma has requested a trade uh, or like said, hey, at least, you know, play me. I would love to, love to play it. That, like that's one thing after not being played. But like there's reasons, very clear reasons why Fultz isn't playing sure. A with this like starting lineup and B, occasionally much at all because he's not he's a shell of the player that he was and it's it's you can't you can't just be like hey i'm i'm mcw in 2018 and i demand minutes like that's kind of who you that's kind of what he is i think he's a better i think he's a better player and and obviously has way higher upside but like come on like let's be honest i don't they're not being honest with themselves i don't know if i don't know what the camp around folks looks like but whatever they're doing it's not working it's all wrong I, I i i do think that there's a real chance that this whole situation whole situation is just too far gone yeah and and we all just got to move on but like how crazy man Jeez, i know and i again i you know not to get another <laughs> brian colangelo argument but like this isn't a thing that could have been foreseen it's just not i don't blame no, everybody I, he was universally seen as the number one pick uh, you can value him more or less as Danny Ainge did, but like no one was like, oh, it's not an Anthony Bennett situation. Who I also let's come clean, also liked and believed in. Yeah, but I, this I, isn't I think, that. No, and I think I think it is time at this point to like the blame as to why this situation happened is on. I think it is fair to take that off of almost everybody at this point. Like Keith Williams, like who knows what he was dealing with. You know, he who knows yeah. what, what like this could have happened and he was trying to fix it. I don't know. Um, yeah. you, you can't blame Brett Brown. You, Brian Colangelo, we can blame him for making a trade, but you can't really blame him for drafting the guy. Whatever. Nobody could. For, could have, I don't want to dream that Drew, Drew Hanlon. Like, like, obviously, the, there's something going on here that that a, a shot doctor doesn't just fix. There is more going on here that the Sixers medical really, staff like really to blame. Drew, I really blame, Drew, blame Drew Hanlon. Yeah, yeah, if we could, that would be much easier for me. Um, all right. Before we, we finish this up, and also we have to talk about Zaire Smith um, and your your boy Gonza's article on The Ringer, <laughs> Zaire Smith's loss of a lot of weight. Let's talk about our other sponsor, uh, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Look, LL has never had his agent call anybody up and say, I'm not coming until I see a shoulder specialist. Nope, he doesn't. He is in that store selling you diamonds no matter what's going on with his shoulder. That is LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Mike, the 31st annual holiday party. 30, he's been having holiday parties longer than you've been alive. 
Yeah. You were I was aware born, of that? I was born I was born into a cabana sale. <laughs> the cabana sale. December eighth, Saturday night from five to nine. He will have incredible sales, incredible giveaways, raise money for the Philadelphia Veterans Comfort House. I will be there. Val will be there. There will be mini cheesesteaks. He's working on getting some colony mead there. Um, Pavertinis, all that. It is a wonderful time in his lovely, lovely store. And Ella wants to remind you, everyone around this time with the holidays coming up, once again, engagement ring, get some jewelry for the holidays. If you're going to do an engagement ring, get in touch with Lee as soon as possible. I know you, you tend to, you know, procrastinate, but we're a month away from Christmas. Um, reach out to LL sooner rather than later so you can get the special right to Ricky Sanchez treatment as well as the special flat engagement ring box that fits right in your pocket. You got to get in touch with LL. 215-627-2252 is his phone number. 707-WALNUT is the store. You could email him at LLPavorsky.com. Tweet at him at LLPavorsky. Have you seen any of his tweets about this thing today? I haven't seen any of his tweets. I'm sure he has no. some tweets about it. Uh, and for every podcast, LL makes generous donations to Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. At the direction of my attorney, I will not be doing an LL Pavorsky tagline at the <laughs> By the way, 109, 109 rings sold to Wright Streaky Sanchez customers. I don't know what else to say about faults. Do you, um, do you think, I know you said that you thought that the lawyer thing was just uh, yeah. Aldridge's language, but on the, there's, on the chance that it's not. Yeah. Do and you know we're not lawyers. We no. were just sponsored by one. Yep. But do you think that there is what would even if if Markel was to and his people were to consider like suing the team? Oh my god. <laughs> I mean that I think it's worth considering that that's a possibility. I I you know I guess. But what does that even mean to us? I guess. I mean, aside from more podcasts. As as uh, as Darren Ravel once said, this is terrible for the country, but it's really amazing content. Oh, um, I oh, you know if, if, I don't know. Markel Fultz suing the Sixers is absurd, and I'm sure would be a circus, and we would raise up the iTunes rankings. But I don't even know how it affects them as a team. You know, they're, they're not going to that. That obviously is some sort of financial thing. Doesn't it just means. I don't know. Josh Harris has to give him fifty million dollars. That's no skin off my back. I don't care. What is that? I don't even know what that means. I would love to see what. I would love to at least be privy to like discovery, and right. seeing like what well, disclosures have to be made. Right, and we the can content. Get some information. It's the content, Mike. I don't, it would be I don't incredible know. content. No, this is terrible. <laughs> I'm, I want to do fewer podcasts. <laughs> right. Right. Well, then, I mean, it, it's it's really a shame. It's preventing us from talking about Joel Embiid. Just. Uh, just pushing DeAndre Ayton back into oblivion. Um, and me, uh, once again, bringing up that you didn't want to trade Oakham for, for Devin Booker. Let's it's, just say that's, it was in the rookie season. It was in the rookie season. It was in the rookie season. And a lot of people wouldn't have done that a mere months before when Okafor was in fact drafted third and Booker right. was drafted late. Lottery. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even know what it, I don't think a lawsuit means that I've, I don't think it's realistic, but if it is, maybe it is. I don't. Who knows if it's realistic or not? I don't have any idea what that means for the team. I don't think it means much of anything. You can't sue anybody for like 
not playing you. Yeah, or even like a they they, don't, they like if it's if it's a lawsuit, they don't have to give up like draft picks or a player or anything. It's not like you're only allowed to play and be twenty minutes a game. That's what we're suing for. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they can sue for that. Should, should we sue him for that? Maybe. I, I mean, that's possible. By the way, Joel Embiid still leading all centers in minutes per game and total minutes. My favorite quote was they asked Brett if he was going to get a day off, and he was like, you know, we're going to have to try to figure out how we're going to do that. The Spurs have been resting players every seven games for a decade, but the Sixers have to figure out how to rest Joel Embiid for a game. It's unbelievable. Um, So uh, John Gonzalez, I think, um, once again did our podcast in written form uh, on The Ringer and wrote a piece about basically like Jimmy Butler is good and this is fun, but man, there's still a lot of like weird stuff here. And in the article, wrote that Zaire Smith's allergy situation had caused him to lose like t- over 20 pounds and that he was, quote, in danger of not playing this year. Now, I had mentioned on a previous pod, I didn't think like it seemed like February was going to be the, the earliest. Um, I guess not playing at that point seems realistic. I don't even know what to say about this because the team can't really comment on the allergy thing because of um, he's it's not a basketball injury, so there's not much they can say that Zaire Smith doesn't give them the permission for. Only that a somebody suggested a shirt. We have a shirt with all the names, but a, a shirt with all the situations um, is. I mean, this is a good one for that shirt mm. <laughs> if we were to ever do it. I hope I he's like okay. Some, I would like just some proof. That he's alive, alive. Yeah, just him tweeting, be like, "Hey guys, uh, I'm healing." A picture. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna be okay. I'm like, still the same. Don't you person. worry that the fact that we haven't seen a picture makes it like a sort of a worry that he um, has lost a lot of weight. Like, yeah, that looks that, looks like Two Face now. It, that, that he doesn't look good. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. like scared about everything now. He looked. So much like John Starks, he looked like such a good oh, guy. Oh, so that's why that's why you're scared. No, <laughs> yes. I think I, you know, I'm I have, uh, I would love to be able to be a person that could just write off Markel Fultz's career and just be like, well, you know, win some, lose some. Some guys never make it. It happens. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I'm not there yet, and I'm, but I'm I'm closer to being there to writing off Zaire's uh, season this season. Right. Um, which is fine, you know. We got Landry Shaman out of it. That's nice uh, and unexpected. So hopefully, Zaire, nice little year off. Hope, hope that foot will feel great by next training camp. Um, I mean, it, it yeah. really is. We've said it so many times. It really is completely insane how many rookies missed their first year for the Sixers. Yeah. <laughs> good, like good, good rookies. Good rookies that they invested a lot of capital in. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's it's bonkers. Do you, think, do you think that the Sixers front office and Brett are like have this conversation? Yes, they have. Because they, they can't because they, they can't have it. Like again, like you were saying, Elton's face during the press conference or during the media availability was like a nice refresher uh, of like, oh, you feel this? Thank you for. It's not just us, but yeah. because we're the ones who have to talk about the team all the time. You know, the fact that Mark and Allah don't have to <laughs> don't say like, oh, here. This is fucking crazy, and I'm Mark Zumoff here with Al Abdelnabi. The, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know what? I simply don't know. The Sixers, we picked a really interesting time 
to have a Sixers podcast. Uh, would have been a lot more boring had we started it in like 06. I mean, some would say, some would suggest that all of this nonsense has benefited our podcast. Or, you, was it, or was it because of our podcast? Are we really doing all of this ourselves? It's impossible to to really discern whether we are the cause of it or whether we are merely capitalizing on it. If you were to look in my apartment, I have different trophies on my wall from various meniscuses that I've taken out myself to, uh, you know, uh, any sort of electroshock therapy I gave to Markel Fultz in his shoulder and Andrew Bynum. I took, I went salsa dancing with Andrew Bynum and started bowling with him. In fact, it's really been me this whole time. You know, the content. I, I'm sure Cornblow is listening. I would love to know what you were talking about a case. I don't even know how we didn't bring this up. I would love to know if Cornblow think I, I'm sure we're going to get a, a thousand word email on this. Uh, then that's what I want. I want Cornblow to sort of, Tell us whether Markel Fultz could have a case. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I hear that. Curious. Yeah. Okay. So Zaire. Yeah. So yeah. What else? Talk about what else John said in the uh, in the article. Well, it was just uh, it was really a a, a scene setter uh, about the state of the Sixers. I think. I think. I think it was like a um, that Jimmy Butler has changed things. Has been um, has been good. You know, so far it has raised the level of excitement. It has made the team better. But all of these things, whether it is Joel Embiid's health, whether it is the Simmons Embiid mystery thing, the Markel Fultz thing, the Zaire, the Zaire Smith thing, the um, like all of these things still exist. And like the the outward impression of we are good, everything is great. Um, maybe covers up some of the wobbly stuff underneath that um, maybe maybe we notice because we and this is me not him maybe we notice just because we're Sixers fans and 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 uh, Gons was so invested in the team that like maybe a national person who doesn't have that perspective maybe just wouldn't notice and there's been so much scrutiny over the crazy it's not just like it's been crazy but it's been scrutinized for being crazy so we're all more hyper aware of this this maybe other teams have these things um i i would also like to say this whole thing fucked up our opportunity to just rail on andrew sharp that his team has totally fucking fallen apart it's really mm-hmm. it's really unfair so that and that be excited about the king's pick dropping in value for the boston right and and Boston not being good. It's been yes. wonderful. Uh, Absolutely. You know, it's Gordon Hayward out of the starting lineup for that big ponytail doofus, whatever his name is. Um, the center. And the Sixers, the Sixers haven't won a uh, a single comfortable game really at all this year. Maybe one. One. Comfortable the Bulls game, game, I would, the Bulls game was comfortable. Would like yeah. to just be able to ease into a fourth quarter with uh, point, for, point Korkmaz. But they're good. Jimmy Butler's great. I love him. He's rocketing up my the 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 ranks of me, uh, one of my favorite Sixers ever, just because of the way he plays, and he's been on his best behavior so far. I also I want to be on record of saying that I think any Simmons Embiid beef drama issue I think is almost essentially nothing aside from just like coworkers or coworkers, um, and. 
they're it's they should we should be really excited. The team is really good. They're gonna contend. I, I'm looking forward to them racking up a couple easy wins against mediocre opponents, uh, and then getting into a fucking playoff run. Like this, it's a good team that has a lot of upside, and but we're just pummeled by weirdness after weirdness, and unable to fully enjoy anything. The Eagles won the Super Bowl. I it's ah uh, so, man. Uh, I we got an email from a guy named David, and I have not heard any of this, and I feel like I would have heard this if it had been the case. But it's an interesting conspiracy theory. David writes, "What if Fultz's agent got wind of a trade to somewhere awful, like the Wiz fuck Andrew Sharp?" So to sandbag the trade, the agent brings back this whole shoulder charade, completely tanking his trade value, keeping where he is, even though he's struggling. Um, at least he's I just don't think here. I love I love the idea of that. Um, I don't think that. I mean, why at this point would Fultz right. want to stay here? Like, right. why would he be like, oh, I mean, especially the Wizards. It's like that's his. He's from there, so he would definitely be cool starting there. I don't think he. I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe he's ha- he likes the team for sure. And I, but I don't know. I don't. We have no insight as to what's going on with Markel uh, personally because he has not been upfront about anything uh, since he got here. Um, and I think just doing that, just straight up saying, here's what's going on with me would be helpful to everyone. And we can all have an actual conversation about what's going on instead of this like shrouded in mystery. Like, I also, I want to talk about whether we, they should trade for Otto Porter and like Bradley Beal and Markeith Morris and, uh, just regular basketball get, yeah. stuff. I think you could probably know. get the your boy, uh, uh, Andrew Porter, uh, posted the um, a couple of guys they could be lo- looking at into their final roster spot, and I love the yeah. idea of Chris Bosh. I love the idea of Chris Bosh. Yeah, unless you, I, I, why not? We don't he's need not, somebody he's, dying on the court. Is is my concern? <laughs> he's he'll be far from the if he wants to go to a place where he's kind of just like blends in and isn't you know. You know, it doesn't have so much scrutiny on him. It's like, ah, there's so many other things going on. Chris Bosh sails through. Look, Chris, with our history, I just think it's a bad place <laughs> for you to be. It's a bad life decision. Yeah. yeah, that might not be wrong. Uh, I'd be fine with Marquise Morris if it doesn't yeah. cost much. I wouldn't, you know, he he would, wouldn't be a guy that I'd be like, oh, great. Let's, th- you know, the perfect Fultz trade for. And I don't think Washington definitely doesn't move him in a, in a Beal trade. I think were, were Fultz to string together a couple good weeks then you could consider conceivably make him the focal point of an auto porter trade if they're like we just want to get out of this huge contract that we just gave him because now he's going to be a role player on a, a bad team for a while but i don't think that they would do that now um yeah i don't know i i there's a couple guys that they could go for and that would help they need they certainly need a reinforcement i would love to a two-way guy that's not demetrius jackson to come to come along and and at least be reasonably uh defendy give shake Milton a shot go get some do something i don't know i don't know i don't know anymore i don't trust every 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 opinion about marco Fultz's trade value is simultaneously uh undervaluing him and overvaluing him which is why to me you have to hold on to him Unless somebody blows you away, and it's like, oh, you're you're willing to give us a first round pick and like, even like a a late first round pick and uh, who's anyone? Fucking like Solomon Hill, I don't know. 
there's some some kind of like all right that's you know you could I could get by with this kind of player and he'd be useful off the bench plus a first round pick so at least we can you know turn that around and flip it for a, a superstar in the in the future but I, I just don't see that happening I don't see anyone giving any, up anything of value I think teams no. will come to the Sixers and say we will do you a favor right and and give you expiring contracts for him and, and to me the it's not worth it. You just hold on to him and hope that it works out against all odds. It's been a weird day online for Drew Corrigan, too. Um, the number one false defender who also posts uh, videos of him uh, and his quirky free throws has had a, a tough day. Um, it's yeah, I, I said it uh, when we were going through the false thing or not the false thing. Uh, it was partially the false thing. I think we were talking about the free throw, about how this has made Sixers uh, process people sort of like eat their own. <laughs> this is, the as crazy as this gets, there's not going to be anybody left. It's going to be like, uh, what's that movie where all the kids are on the island and they, they turn on each other? Lord of the Flies. That's what this is going to be like. Somebody's going to have a, a pig's head on the top of a stick. Um, he's going to step on another kid's glasses. It's just, this is not going to end well. I don't think this is going to end well for any of us. So it's a shame. Um, oh, it seems like I've lost you. Well, I'm going to wrap up the podcast then. <laughs> That's it. Thanks for listening to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Um, boy, uh, are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know Lickface. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke powder of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Bumpers and downers get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile to turn.